Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great health care. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine, a new center for community health, and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. By now, you've probably seen ads about the water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere. People who got sick after drinking that toxic water are now able to seek repayment for their medical costs because of a new law, the PACT Act. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it's important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is a limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you, and they won't take no for an answer. Sign up at SickMarine.com. Today, Nick and Eric are joined once again by Carl, who is down in Mobile, Alabama, covering the final day of practices at the Senior Bowl. Welcome to the Huddle Up Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up draft style. I am your host for this week, Nick Kendall, joined once again by Eric Trickle and down in Mobile, Alabama, Carl Dumbler. Carl, how are you doing today? How is the final day of practices down there? I know Vance Joseph's probably shedding a tear because he just loves those good practices so much. <laughs> he's, got, he's got to walk through tomorrow, so he still has one more practice. Media just can't be there for that one. Ah, so okay. his tears will come tomorrow. But no, it was another great day. It was beautiful today. I didn't have to wear a jacket most of the time. The sun was shining, got myself a nice tan. I, wow, it was, it was a lot of fun. Broncos ran a lot, a lot of drills that were featuring the quarterbacks. And so it was just a, a lot of fun to see those guys get an opportunity to show off some skills and also show some weaknesses for a couple of them. I, I thought that today was one of the, the better paced practices where they had a lot of good things planned out and i don't know like i said it it was a lot of fun to watch them and got a chance to talk to actually john elway joe woods baker mayfield i was standing right next to him if you see a picture my my twitter handle now my twitter picture is me uh interviewing not interviewing but being a part of the interview of baker mayfield so it's it's just been kind of a crazy day surrounded by a lot of crazy people i gotta ask now you've been down there for a couple days are you start you you and I both were just a little bit skeptical. Eric's always been Baker Mayfield Hive ride or die since the beginning, but seeing him down there and you know you got your picture there with Baker now and you're talking about him, it sounds like you're changing your tune a little bit. Eric, are you going to make me say it? Yes, Eric, you were right. Ah, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My quarterback rankings have changed. My number one quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah. I'm still going to be a Rosen for Rosen for a little bit. For now. Dude, when you see this guy live, when you see him and how he conducts himself in practice, how he conducts himself with the coaches, the other players, Allen would make a great pass. I mean, these two are competing against each other. And 
here is Baker Mayfield going over to him. Congratulations. Every time he had a great throw. He was the first guy over there to say, hey, great job over there, man. Great throw. Just to see that leadership. That is what's really changed for me. But also there, there's other things. I had questions about his velocity. That has been answered. I had questions about his hand size. That's been answered, obviously. I had questions about sometimes how he would do with tighter windows. That's been answered. How he'd do with some timing routes, how he'd do under center. Every question that I had about this kid has been answered. And he did it in three days. That's all it took. And there weren't even all that many reps. But he was so good in those reps, it took away all my worries about this kid. I see why so many people are now saying this kid is just that next star that they are willing to put their reputation on the line with this kid because I, I'm almost at that point. Mm. I don't really want to go that far because I don't want to pull a Mel Kuyper and say, <laughs> Jimmy Clausen is going to be the next great quarterback or I'll quit in eight years. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy. So I'll hold back and, and reserve myself a little bit, but no, this kid, he's been very, very impressive. I just can't believe how much he's been able to change my opinion in just a few days. Well, everyone can turn off the podcast now. That's, that's the Huddle Up podcast, guys. You got what you came for. <laughs> Pretty much. Now, Eric, how are you doing? How, you said it was like a negative 11 degrees up in Alaska? It's freezing cold up here. It's been a negative 11 and 12 degrees. I think it's finally starting to warm up, and we're supposed to get back up into like the, late, the high teens by like 1 o'clock in the morning. But that's only because it's going to snow. Other than that, I'm good. I've been inside most of the day with the little one, so I haven't had to deal with a cold. But when it's cold outside and you live underground a little bit, it gets cold inside. Yeah, for sure. And Iowa's been pretty decent this week. It got cold for a little bit and windy, but, I mean, Iowa, you get all four of the seasons within 24 hours. So, <laughs> you're, you're kind of used to it. Yeah, we've, yeah been warmer than, we've been warmer than Florida and Texas, so it's finally catching up with us that we're actually going to be cold, cold. Yeah, for sure. Back to Mobile, Alabama. The Huddle Up 2018 Draft Show's focus is all things that relate to your Denver Broncos as it pertains to the upcoming NFL Draft. With Eric, Carl, and myself as Draftaholics, we will be bringing you fresh insight and analysis each and every week in every single episode. From scouting reports, player values, scheme and personnel fits, and general draft-related banter, we are here for you. Follow myself on Twitter, at Nick Kendall. Follow Eric on Twitter, at Eric Trickle. And follow Carl on Twitter, at Carl Dumbler, MHH. Be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we live for talking Bronco football. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account by following us, at HuddleUpPod. Make sure you check out, make sure you check out ours and our co-writers' content at milehighhuddle.com, a part of scout.com, an affiliate of CBS Sports Digital Network. We know your listeners are as football, draft, and Bronco crazy as we are. So please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter as we wouldn't be here today without you listeners. So as a call to action, please go take the time, go to iTunes or speaker and rate us and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. All right. Well, now that we've been talking some Baker Mayfield already, Carl, I guess, I mean, that was it for you. You got to spend three days down there and we're all still really jealous of you, but as an overall <laughs> sense, how how's your time been down there? I mean, everyone's here obviously for the football, but, we also, if you're tuning in, we care about you, Carl. Did you have a good time in Mobile now that you finally got down there? I, I did, man. One, once I got down here, and especially once I got my clothes, that made a big difference. But no, it's been, it's been one of the craziest weeks of my life, but in a great way. Just the, the people I've got to meet, the connections I've got to make with different people. 
the interviews, the just this this entire town. One, I have to say, if if we have any listeners from Mobile, Alabama, you guys are the nicest people in the world. Believe I, I will run into somebody, and they will apologize to me. That that's how nice they are down here. It, it's just nuts. So Mobile, Alabama, it's been a great city, great host, taking care of us very, very well. And I just, I couldn't speak more highly of my, my time down here. And the players, I've been very impressed with them and just their overall attitude and how they've handled all the pressure of what this week brings. Because I can't imagine all that they go through, knowing that they have interviews with teams, interviews with media, coaches scrutinizing everything that they do having to learn a whole new system in just a matter of a few days and, and have to perform well. That's the other part of it. It's not just that you learn the system, but you have to actually do well with it. I, I'm very, very impressed with these players and what they go through. This has been a great group of players. Yeah, that's awesome. It's definitely been a, a good group down there. It's unfortunate that a lot of guys dropped out, but that just made more opportunities for other guys to step up. And I think a lot of guys have stepped up this week, but we talked a little bit about Baker Mayfield and I just want you to answer, you were talking about it earlier, but just some of the things that Baker Mayfield makes him stand out to you. You know, he answered some of those questions, but what makes Baker Mayfield special as a player overall that you saw and that other people were buzzing about and just his interactions, his ability to thread the needle? I mean, I don't want to steal your thunder, but some of the praise you're heaping on him <laughs> earlier was really some top-notch stuff. So l- let me just start with some of the intangibles, and then I'll go to the tangibles, what you actually saw during practice today. The intangibles. There was one drill where Baker Mayfield was the last one to throw. It's already taken off to the next drill. And they were just kind of slowly jogging. Baker Mayfield just starts almost like sprinting to pass all of them. And I don't know. Some people might be like, oh, man, he's embarrassing these, these other quarterbacks. But he's just, he just wants to be that first guy there. He wants to, to be that leader. He wants to set the example of this is the, the tone that I want for my practice. I want guys hustling around. I want guys knowing that every rep matters. And that, that's how he is. He, he didn't do as many reps as the other quarterbacks. That's something that a couple of us kind of took notice of. But when he was in, he took advantage of it. And when he wasn't doing a rep, he was right there listening to everything the coaches had to say. If a, team, if a group had huddled together and he wasn't the quarterback, he had his ear listening in on what the quarterback was having to say. And it, I was, I was just very, very impressed with, with everything that he brings just intangible wise and just his wanting to learn everything possible, wanting to perfect anything that he's gotten wrong. And th- there, there were some weaknesses that showed up this week. Let's, let's go ahead and get those out of the way. One, he still doesn't look completely comfortable from under center. That's going to take time. It's not going to be perfect after just a couple days down here. But I know he's going to work on it. Two, when he had to throw the fade pattern from under center, he had this weird technique thing that he did. I, I don't know what you would call it. Like he just would almost like just cock his, ba- his back to like a 90-degree angle and then just launch the football. It was kind of a weird – I don't know what he was doing. But it was still accurate. That was the crazy thing. It was perfectly placed every time. He was so good on those fade routes all day. All the other quarterbacks either underthrew it, overthrew it at some point. Seeing him make one bad throw in the red zone drills, which is that's saying something because those are when the, the windows get a little bit tighter. 
and you have to be very, very precise to make it work perfect. So now on to the actual tangible things I saw. Baker Mayfield for a three-day practice session of learning a new offense showed incredible ability to get through reads. He didn't always throw to his first read. He had one time, his worst throw of the day, I think was more of just like a throwaway because his first read wasn't there, second read wasn't there, pocket was beginning to collapse, and he just kind of threw it at the feet of one of the wide receivers. Again, I think it was more of a throwaway than just a bad throw. And you, you could tell he's just going through his reads. Nobody was open. And so he was smart with the football. He protects the football. That's something Bronco fans should be very, very excited about. <laughs> Been a while since we've had a quarterback do that. So that, that's one thing that really stuck out. His timing. There are so many throws that he is throwing before the receiver ever breaks open. That was one of the big questions I had coming into this week because too often, not too often, I mean, th- this isn't his fault, but Oklahoma with their superior athletes, and have so many yards between them and the defender that he never really has to make those anticipation throws hardly. So to see him make those kind of throws when his receivers aren't getting any kind of separation, just drop it in there perfect to have the perfect touch, just perfect timing. I mean, everything. It was just great. His technique when throwing the football is phenomenal. He has a great base. He has a great arm location on every single throw. I just, the other guys, you could tell there's just throws where they're not, their base especially is just not perfect. A lot of these guys rely on their arm, their arm to do a lot of things. The other thing that stuck out was he has incredible velocity on the football. Yes, it is not Josh Allen's 66 miles per hour. I still don't know how he did that. That I, I believe it, but I don't believe it because I mean, that's probably maybe one of the fastest footballs ever thrown in history. I mean, it's got to be up there. I think the record yeah, for the combine is 60 or something. Yeah, yes. and I think uh, Mahomes threw like a 62 mile per hour last year. It, it was officially clocked during... at 60. <clears throat> Three quarterbacks have gone gotcha. 60 miles per hour, and that's the record. Gotcha. Well, he threw 66 mile per hour. And like I said, I can believe it because I saw how fast those things were moving. So, yes, he is not Josh Allen velocity-wise, but he is, he's got plenty of it. He has no problem zipping it in there. And I think there was a couple times where he just wanted to show, hey, there's another quarterback here that can throw it hard. And he would just launch one in there into a tight window. And that's, that's the other thing is he can throw with velocity and have it still be accurate. Josh Allen, when he wants to throw with velocity, it goes high and wide every single time. He rarely has those when he really, really wants to zip it in there that are actually really accurate. He's just kind of like I, I told you yesterday, Nick, that he's uh, Araldus Chapman. I said that, didn't I? Maybe not. I don't know. You said he was a big oh, closer. Okay, then I, okay. I sent a gif. I'm like, oh, it's definitely Chapman. Okay. I, I think I said it's a sire then. And then you sent that. And I'm like, yep, that's what I'm talking about. Combined it. Okay. All right. That's he's, fine. Great mind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So when he's on, he is really, really on and he is impossible to stop. But there's also those times where he is so inaccurate that you just have no clue where that football's going to go. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little bit off of a Baker there, but it's okay. It we need to show the difference, right? And, and and I'll talk a lot about him here in just a second. But but Baker, like I said, he can throw with velocity and accurate at the same time. That's huge. I, I'm trying to think of other things that he just really showed. I, I don't know. He just he showed ability to manipulate the pocket. He only I only saw him take off running once this week, and it was for like a 40 yard gain. So kind of one of those, I know they always got after Paxton, like, why are you running in these drills? Every once in a while, it's just 
hey, this is the best decision. Nobody else was open. Every defender had their back turned. Why not take off running? So I, I thought it was a good decision and just showed off his athleticism and went to the table with that ability as well. I don't know. It just, everything about him, everything just screams, this guy is going to be great at the next level. He won't let himself fail. Yeah, that's something. I mean, that's, Elway has had a tendency so far in his career as a general manager that when he makes a mistake, he will go 180% degrees the other direction. And Paxton Lynch to Baker Mayfield is probably about as opposite as you can get. You know, you Paxton Lynch, the raw, toolsy guy from the smaller school, that much in college, but, you know, big upside. And then you got Baker Mayfield who, I mean, look, he showed he had tools here, but he's not, you know, the raw, toolsy guy. That'd be Josh Allen here, but accomplished it and is just the hard worker, energizer bunny type that's, you know, put it on me. I'm the leader. Get on my back. I'm carrying this team. I would not be surprised at all if the Broncos, you know, after this week were infatuated with Baker Mayfield. You know, we still get to see Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen down the stretch. You know, there's still a couple months to go. But I, Baker Mayfield, he definitely had quite the audition here. So I'm, I'm that, excited yeah. to see that. Like, what an audition. He did a great job. And you were, you were a skeptic, I will call that. I was a skeptic, too. Once he had the hand size and the measurement stuff, I'm skeptical until I see it. You know, it's one of those things. Like, until it's actually out there, we don't know. So I'm not going to assume. But it's out there now. Had the hand size, has the weight. You know, he's on the shorter side, but that's that's not the biggest deal. There are quarterbacks that are shorter that do it. Yeah, he can get away with it. That's for sure. Especially because he's bulky in the frame. Like, he's shorter, but he packs that weight on. And he has the hands. So, showing the touch, showing everything. And I'm I'm a big fan. I'd say he's up to my quarterback, too. But that's just because I, I really like the tape from Rosen. And, like I said, Rosen's probably the best tape I've seen from a quarterback since Andrew Luck. But with Rosen comes other issues. So, it's we'll see how it all plays out in the end. But I'm definitely... I'm comfortable taking Baker Mayfield at five. I'm even comfortable if we have to trading up to three to take Baker Mayfield. If that's your guy and you want to go get him trade up and go get him because those franchise quarterbacks don't grow on trees. If that's your guy, F it. I'm not going to cuss on here, but F it, go get him. (laughs) So Eric, you got a little bit more insider sources than we do. That's for sure. What are you hearing about Baker Mayfield that you are allowed to, you know, put out there in the airwaves? Basically is that he won't go one or two. Those two guys are pretty much set. But it's the question of, does he go number three? Do the Colts trade down? Do they possibly risk losing the two guys that they have really high on their board by moving down? Now, everything I've heard is that they really, really want to fix their defensive backs. They were, they've been atrocious for a while. They've had a bad secondary for a while. So they're open to trading down, and they, but they don't want to trade out of the top ten. If they trade down with Denver at five, they'd probably look to trade down again and stay in the top 10. So that that's that. The Colts are willing to trade down. From what I've heard with the Browns, not so much. So if you want him and you're – if you're the Jets, basically they're the only other team that has a chance at really getting him. I don't see the Redskins being able to – being willing or wanting or desiring or anything like that to trade join planet fitness today and get more epic energy and better sleep with tons of equipment in our clean and spacious clubs join for one dollar down ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday october 14th it's glow time see club for details what it will take for them to go from from 13 to 3 for baker mayfield i also don't see snyder wanting to put up with baker mayfield's personality if you want him, you got to trade up to three and it's going to be 
the Jets or the Broncos, and everything I've heard is that the Broncos, if they don't get Kirk Cousins, will do whatever they can to secure Baker Mayfield. And it's got to be three because at four, the Browns aren't wanting to trade down from what I hear. So if the Jets are wanting him, it's going to push that competition for getting to three. Um, I did actually have a question, though, for Carl. With seeing, You said that seeing Baker Mayfield live is really a change to your opinion of him. Now, on the flip side of that, I know you're a big Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen guy. And I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this. Seeing them live with there with Baker, do you still think that there was a there's a good chance that Baker would have passed them on your board? Yes, I think so. Just because Baker's questions weren't because of so much the tape. It was just what was not there on the tape, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. You didn't have the Oklahoma type of throws, the, the offense that they ran, et cetera, et cetera, right. the weapons, how much right, more talent yeah. they had against the guys they were going against. Yeah, I got it. Right, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that was more my thing with him was that was holding me back. I mean, he showed plenty of talent. He showed incredible ability on the field. I mean, he was Heisman winner, of course, so he's football. <laughs> there, were just, there were just things I needed to see more of, and the fact that I got to see them and the fact that the Broncos really – made him answer those questions, I think was, was a great showing. And, and the fact that he was willing to take that on, like I said, early, I think yesterday's show, the fact that him to request being under center, almost every single snap, All, the other quarterbacks didn't do it. So either the coach, I don't think the coaches would make him do something that the other guys weren't. I think he may, he told them, this is what I want to do. That, that's the only explanation that I can really arrive at. So again, just that kind of ability to say, Hey, I can do this. I will prove to you I can do this, even though I've hardly ever done it before. And I'll be great at it. And like, he wasn't great, great at playing under center. There's still some technical things that he needs work on, his footwork. He just doesn't look completely comfortable. He's looking like he's trying to explode out of there as fast as possible because he's almost afraid he's going to get stepped on by the center or something like that. So just some things that can get cleaned up. It won't be that hard for him. I think people overblow that part of the game. I know it's something that they have to learn, but it's, it's a very learnable trait. Especially if you put in the time. Right, right. And he will. He'll put in yeah. lots and lots of time. I can guarantee you that. So Time and a half. Yeah. So, again, I, I don't know that the other guys could have answered their questions as much because their weaknesses showed up on tape a lot more. You could actually see visibly, hey, this is something they struggle with, with Rosen with pressure. You could see that. But Darnold, decision-making, that, I think that would have showed up here in, at the senior bowl. I think he would have had a couple interceptions of really bad throws where with Baker Mayfield, you just didn't see many. He had a couple his first day, a couple his second day, third day. Honestly, like I said, I think I maybe saw one bad pass all day. Yeah. I figured that uh, things wouldn't change and that it was because of the, the having the questions on tape with the other two, not so much with Baker. That, that was my thinking as well is that he had, he had the, potential to answer those questions whereas these other guys don't and it's the same thing right. with josh allen i think a little bit with some of his questions that this was a good area for him to answer those do you think he really answered them or do you think that he just like partially answered the questions if i think he sense. i think he actually made more questions than answered questions the fact that he struggled so much in some of the easiest drills i think i saw a tweet from somebody and and i can confirm this he went like one for eight in red zone drills, where it was like the intermediate 10 to 20 yard passes. 
And I think he went one for eight and had an interception during that, that time period. It was bad. It was really, really bad. He had one throw today. It was a, a 10 yard where they did the kind of a, a quick out and then do a quick slant back to the middle. And he missed his guy by 10 yards. And the guy was only 10 yards away. Yikes. He would have ended up actually in the stands. Oh. He missed him that <laughs> bad. I, it, it was I, like I had my head down and I happened to catch it. Thankfully on the, they have a replay screen that you can catch some things on. And the guy next to me goes, Oh my gosh, you see how bad that was. And I look up and you just see this football like flying like 30 feet up in the air because it bounced off the, <laughs> the stands and, Hit, hit so hard that it just went skying, but it was bad. It was really, really bad. And he had a few others. He had uh, during the the fade routes where they're running like five yard fade routes to the corner of the end zone. He just kept overthrowing them left and right. And he had one play. I think it was with Alan Lazard, where he, he about got Lazard hurt because he laid out for football and ended up going head first into some of the metal barriers. Oof he was less accurate than I thought he would be. That's how bad it was. He, I already knew he wasn't accurate, but he was less accurate than I thought. I think if the Broncos had a, an older quarterback that, you know, you didn't need to see Allen right away and you were going to run that vertical offense, that would be, and they hadn't just taken a guy like Paxton, who by all accounts is busted at this point. Yeah. Then Allen would be an option. I, I don't. I don't want to pound. I don't want to pile on the guy because he does have traits. Exciting. I mean, you're throwing the ball 66 mile an hour with that frame and that athleticism. I mean, there's he's going to go top 10 in the draft because that's. I mean, he is. He does have rare traits, but given the circumstances of the Broncos, where they're at right now, and what Paxton Lynch has been, I just. I just can't see them going that route again. You know, if that makes sense. Like, I just. It's too much down the same path, yeah. and I think Allen's probably. It's a more enticing Pax version of Paxton Lynch with the, he's like a souped up version, but he's even like a more raw version, if that makes sense too. Cause at least with Paxton, you saw him with the ability to run that offense at Memphis. Granted it was that super spread kind of system with a lot of bubble screens, but I mean, he showed that accuracy and touch and everything at Memphis at, I guess a higher level than what we saw at Wyoming this year. But in the circumstances of the Broncos, I just don't think it makes any sense. Honestly, the talk around here is how disappointed teams are in him. There, there's some talk that teams are really dropping him on their board with how he's shown this week. He has not processed things very quickly. There's been a lot of plays where guys were wide open and he just didn't see them until it was too late. And while in college, that was okay because he had such arm strength that it didn't matter. He could get it there. They know in the NFL that's not going to work. There's a big difference between Mountain West and the NFL. And he hasn't quite figured that out. He thinks that his athleticism can go out there and just take care of everything. And so mental processing, he's just a little bit behind. If his first read isn't open, he really struggles. There's just there's a lot of things that were wrong. Technique-wise, his footwork was not great. When and that's feet, the guy who's post style were, under center. Like that's that's the, right. supposed to be the big thing. Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't great. He would narrow his stance a lot of times that would cause the football to either be way behind the receiver or just fly over his head. So there, there's, like I said, I think there's more questions now than there were 
before this week started with him. Teams were all excited about that athleticism, and they just thought, oh, maybe if we get him away from Wyoming, he'll do fine. Nope, he struggled all the more, I think. I think they actually worked to cover up a lot of his weaknesses there. He can't throw to the middle of the field hardly. That's where his biggest weakness was. Quick out or a deep corner, a deep out. Those are the throws he can make because he just can launch it as hard as he wants and just beat a, a corner to the edge. But you ask him to have any kind of touch over the middle for failure. You're asking for a big interception, terrible throw that's just going to have everybody talking. I don't know. I There's been some people I've seen on crazy like, oh, Josh Allen, he is just dominating. I'm going, what are you watching? It, it's been bad. It really has. Yeah, I wanted to touch on a point that Nick made about him having gone somewhere where he can sit. And I was talking with somebody on Twitter about this. And a team like the Ravens, who they have Joe Flacco, who's not the greatest, but they're not going to bench him. The Chargers, the Steelers, maybe even like the Packers or the Patriots, a team that has that established starter that's going to be there for a few years that can allow Allen to sit and grow is what's best for him. And then I saw another statement that sums him up perfectly from what you've said. Josh Allen can throw a strawberry through a battleship if he can hit the battleship. And on the point that you're talking about with teams falling on him, I've been hearing that all day from my sources is that teams are really disappointed teams. I heard one person said that they're not happy with the Broncos because they're not having him try to show his weaknesses. Uh, another source was talking about how that he doesn't even think that their team could have him on their draft board. Another source was saying that if they take him, it'll, it'll be in the third or fourth round, like all these different things. Teams are not happy. And I do think that some team will be in love with those tools and take them early but I'm not super confident in saying that he's a top 10 or 15 pick anymore. Like I used to be like I was a week ago. And I'm with you on that. Just the people I talked to, I didn't hear anybody saying this is where I, I, this is the team that I know is in love with him that I know will take him top 10. I haven't heard that this week after the first day, first day I heard that on a couple teams since then, nothing. He just, like I said, he's disappointed a lot of people. He's been highly inaccurate not great at processing things. And I just think his body language hasn't impressed a lot of teams too mm. because he knows he's struggling Yep, and he just hasn't interacted with his teammates. Like you've seen with some of the other quarterbacks that really go and congratulate a receiver after a really good catch. He just kind of, if he does make a really good throw, he just kind of walks off to the side. It's kind of hard to compare to it, Baker Mayfield in that yeah. regard. Right. Um, I, I know it is. It, it is. And, but I just kind of thought, I would see a little bit more of the, hey, man, I'm going to be a good teammate. After, Especially after watching Baker, like I want to prove I'm that good too on the leadership side of things. And I just – I haven't seen it. Yeah, and last thing I'm going to say on Allen is from the same sources I've heard is that he doesn't interview very well. He seems uncomfortable in the interviews. And that when they've brought up football questions like breaking plays down and stuff like that, he also hasn't done well. So the questions that are being raised aren't just on the field. They're off of it with these interviews that are going on. And can I, can I make a quick note real quick of something I learned? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I've been looking around, and I haven't hardly seen any Bronco scouts at the practices. And I've just always heard on, on the radio of how active the Broncos are, bringing their entire staff, their coaching staff, GM, 
scouting community, they just bring everybody. And I'm going, I don't hardly see anybody here. Well, I come to find out that that they are going to have their scouts really dedicated to meeting with the players during meals and meeting with them just during film study. The scouts will sit in there with the players and talk to them and talk to them about what they're seeing on the screen, all those kind of things. So they're, they're taking advantage of the inside opportunity they have with the coaching staff running the, the North squad. And I love that. I love that they're getting this extra opportunity that usually isn't there. The Broncos also have one of the smallest scouting departments in the entire NFL. So that's definitely part of it as well, I, I would assume. Like from a numbers yeah, wise, they're one of the smallest ones. No, I've heard that too. That they have one of the the smaller scouting groups, but just to know that they are down there with the players, that they're getting more one on one time with them than most of the other teams, and and I loved. I think it was a Baltimore Ravens scout was trying to talk to who was it? Maybe BJ Hill, and Wrecking Ball? said, "Hey man, do what? Wrecking, Wrecking Ball? Ball? Yeah." And he's trying to talk to him, and he's like, "Hey, man, I, I need to, I need to talk to you." And BJ's like, "Nope, I got meetings." And, <laughs> and so, yeah, I think the Broncos, like I said, are just getting a lot more opportunity with these guys than any other team. Yeah, that's definitely an advantage of being a coaching team is that you can kind of change how you do things a little bit. Well, we've talked on the main big two guys and Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield, but out of the quarterbacks today, North and South, does. Anybody really else step up today or take advantage of that last day of open practices? Tanner Lee had a couple really nice throws. He's showing some decent tools at times. I think he has some people kind of a buzz here just with arm strength and size-wise, thinking maybe they can turn those tools into something. He's Luke an okay Falk athlete had, too, though, right? Like he, yeah, he can he move is. around. Yeah, Luke Falk, he really struggled today. I thought this was his worst day out there. I just I wasn't very impressed with him. And the South guys really jumps off the screen. I thought Loletta had a better day. Rose that really caught my attention. But it, it's it's kind of weird. The, the, the South squad runs their practice so differently. You have to kind of adjust how you try to view do many of the, the team drills. They don't even do a lot of like the one-on-one receiver versus cornerback drills. So it's kind of kind of weird. They have the quarterbacks actually go off to the side and do their own little thing. Huh. And it's, they don't even have them doing th- throwing drills. They have them doing, like, working on their footwork. Huh. So <laughs> what, what kind of notes can you really take on that? Oh, he had really good feet there. Oh, yeah. nice seven-step drop. I, I don't know. It just, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. I haven't liked how they do their practice at all. Sounds more like an OTA kind of thing. Right. Right. They, they like to do a lot of individual drills. They don't have the, the one-on-one. They don't do the offense versus defense. They will take their offensive linemen and put them next to a bunch of trash cans and have them run around the trash cans. Defensive linemen players, they'll have a bunch of medicine balls and hula hoops that they'll have them running around and grabbing a towel to show how, but how well they can bend around the edge. Hmm. They'll work on their hands. They just do a lot more of the, the technique, technical stuff, which I'm sure a lot of scouts really enjoy, but... If you're actually looking for how, hey, how did this guy do? Did he win the day? That it's hard to really judge off that. Fair enough, that makes sense. Well, I I think Tanner Lee is definitely an interesting one. That you know, what the Redskins did a few years ago when they took RG three and then added Kurt Cousins later. I wouldn't be upset if the Broncos <laughs> took Baker Mayfield and then round six or whatever 
took a guy like Tanner Lee just because of the upside and it's smart to take quarterbacks every year, if not, I mean, every other year, but maybe even every year because those guys are lottery tickets. And if you have a lot of picks like the Broncos have, it's not the worst idea. So funny story, speaking of Tanner Lee, is on Monday I got a – I was texting a source back and forth and I was asking him about the quarterback specifically. And he says Tanner Lee is a guy that can improve his stock the most, that he could possibly rise up into the third round. Early this morning, I got a text from the same source. He says, on Tanner Lee, forget what I said. Ah. <laughs> well, so, well, on that. Yeah. I always had the arm strength and the tools, but it's just been super erratic and likes to throw the ball to the other team. Yeah. He, the he, locks on, he locks on to his first target and won't let off. Nah. And once, once he finally does, he just panics. He looks to run out of the pocket or just kind of throws it away, does something, or, or he'll still try to throw it to his first read. Just be like, I don't know where else to go, so I'm just going to throw it into triple coverage. Oh, picked off. Oh, man. <laughs> he did that about three or four times this week. Well, that's uh, that's too bad. I had some hope. I know there's some Nebraska fans that listen to this podcast that were pulling for him. So, sorry, guys. Nebraska still, still stinks. He still has that developmental aspect to him that you could see him develop into something, but just it wasn't pretty for him. Rather take a guy like Kurt Benkert, maybe? I'd rather take a guy like Mike White. Ah, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. That's a, that's a guy who did pretty well there, but I'm ready to move on from quarterbacks. We've already talked about them for probably half an hour here. So offensive side of the ball, north or south, <laughs> any guys that today specifically, not this whole week, but today specifically, you know, caught your eye, whether it be skill position or offensive line. MJ Stewart. Let me start there. Cornerback defense? From, from, uh, yeah, from North Carolina. Okay. Oh. He's a cornerback. Is one of the most aggressive cornerbacks here. He's only 5'10", like 198 pounds or something like that but he is flying everywhere. Special teams, they, they asked him to do a lot of special teams today. And he was... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up with the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Always like the first guy down the field. If you're looking for that guy that could be your third, fourth quarterback on your team and be a big special teams contributor, MJ Stewart is a, a guy to really watch out for. Yeah, I've heard some good things about him there. I haven't, I'll be honest, I haven't watched that much tape on him. I probably, I'm a little bit of an ageist when it comes to cornerbacks. Most of the great cornerbacks in the NFL are when they come out of the draft. They're not seniors normally. Normally the guys that are, really talented at cornerback that talent shows pretty early and those guys book it as soon as they can. That's just, I mean, that's just how it has been. I feel like, I mean, when was the last time a, there was a great senior cornerback? I don't was Tredavious White a senior last year. I'm sure there's a couple, but like for a vast majority, those guys are juniors. 
You see a guy like right. uh, two years ago, Desmond King was talked about being a first round pick. He decided to return for a senior year, drops all the way to the fifth round. So, I mean, this, I, I don't know if it's an ageist thing. I mean, it's probably thinking about it backwards, but that's definitely something to consider as well. A cornerback specifically, I know we're kind of talking offense there, but jumping to the cornerbacks, uh, Isaac Yedem from Boston College. He's somebody yes. that you had mentioned a few times as well that had been flashing. And I've heard some people that I respect their opinions have uh, been mentioning that he's been standing out as well. I can't believe how many times he is in perfect position. He will run the route for the receiver. He can't catch it. He has the That's worst hands at this senior bowl. I would trust a, one of the centers to have better hands than him. That's how bad his hands are. But if you want a guy that's not going to be out of position, that's going to be there ready to make a play, that's always going to be great in coverage, Yidem is that, that guy. He has been very, very impressive. I have his number. I, I, the way I do it usually, until I kind of get their names down a little bit better, I write numbers. And so his number keeps popping up in my notes over and over again. So when I'm reviewing back over him and looking at the actual name, I'm going, oh, my gosh, it's the same guy every time. Very, very impressive guy. Probably, yeah, he's definitely been the best corner here. Hmm. There, there's just consistently every single day showing up. I've had other guys ranked above him on certain days, but then they have a bad day to follow it up. Those guys is Saran Neal. He, is, he had a, a great first day. I remember talking here on the podcast. This guy's a guy to watch out for. Ever since then, he is hit and miss. Best rip or the worst rep of the day. He had that or, rep against James Washington where he just destroyed him. Oh, my goodness. People were talking about that for the next five minutes up in the stands. Yeah. His, his hands were just perfect. I mean, he destroyed the guy. And, and Washington's been the best receiver here. Yeah. Tim and, and just manhandle him that way, plus know when to let go. That's the other thing is there's a lot of quarterbacks in college that get away with a lot of hands being handsy that the NFL just doesn't allow. And so to see him know when to let go and then attack when the ball was thrown, it was just a perfect play. One of the best reps I've seen of any cornerback here. But he also had like three other reps not too long after that where he gave up touchdowns. He had one where they were doing two-minute drill, and he allowed Jamon Moore to do a, a, a deep in. Jamon Moore just about made him fall on the ground. He was just wide open in the middle of the field. Nobody else there. Easy touchdown. So, again, he's just been very, very hit and miss. You're going to need somebody that's going to be willing to work with him. I think he'd be a great special teams guy because he loves to get physical. He's got the speed to get down the field. So I'd love for the Broncos to really give him a look and just use their, their coaching staff to, to build him up. This is something I, I keep thinking about with this Broncos staff is defensively they have a lot of – ex-defensive backs coaches. So you'd think that the, that would be the one area that they'd be really good at coaching up these guys. I think you can get some raw guys and turn them into something. And I, it was kind of funny talking to Joe Woods today. There were some players standing out on the, on the defense for the North squad. His first like four names listed were all defensive backs. Some other players that have been sticking out, Nick DeLuca has had a lot better last two days. At that off-ball linebacker spot. First day, he was one of the worst players on the field. Last two days, he's done really well in coverage. He's shown up in the run game. Been very impressed with him. Just took him a little second to, to adjust. Kamoko Ture, he has been the, the talk of the place pretty much, other than Baker Mayfield. 
there's some talk of people saying that he should maybe go in the first round. Wow. I mean, he has the traits that, from what I've seen, he can corner really well, and he's long and athletic, but crazy for a guy that, what did he play, like 25% of the snaps this past right. year? Something ridiculous. Like, they didn't use him. So, I mean, that's I guess that's as much of an indictment on Rutgers coaching staff. I mean, Rutgers is probably as crappy of a football program as there is in all of Division One right now. But, right. yeah, right. just... He's, he's been impressive. I mean, if you're looking for that speed edge, especially for the Broncos, you know, using those speed edge guys, that's definitely a huge part of their defense. You know, you have the guys that are more power edges, like, you know, Bradley Chubb, classic, a little bit more power edge, or, you know, just a little bit more of those 4-3 guys. Toure is the guy that can play that two-point stance, bend that corner, and use that ability to get around. And he's somebody that, from the flashes I've seen and the tape that I've watched from the practices, he's been extremely impressive. Right, right. So he, he's a guy... You know how NFL teams are. They fall in love with guys that have that height, weight, speed combination. They fall in love with tools more than they do a finished product. And that's why Teray is getting so much buzz from a lot of the NFL community right now. He just he flashes so often. You sit there and say, and he wears number 58. So when he was, because <laughs> he's on the Broncos squad. And first time I saw him, I was like, you take that 58 off. You don't deserve to wear that. That's <laughs> and that was what I first thought. And then I watched him like, oh, you deserve it. Never mind. <laughs> so he, he's, yeah, he's flashing big time. Mostly he's been rushing against that right tackle spot, O'Neal. I, hmm. I think that's part of the reason I've been really, I've been really down on O'Neal this whole week. But he's going up against Ture almost every time. And he's just, it's not been good. Ture's gotten him quite a few times. How has, so, speaking, and on the other side, Speaking of edge guys, the other guy that I'm curious oh, about is uh, your favorite, the guy that you pronounce so well, Okoronkwo. You know, looking for the Broncos specifically, he's kind of more of that speed edge and him showing up. I mean, six one, not great, but he had like, what, 34-inch arms, which is great length, and then weighted like 240-something. And from all accounts, he's been making himself some money in Mobile. He has. Today wasn't his best day. He got stonewalled a lot more today. He just struggled to keep his feet was something that I kind of noticed. He kept slipping, and I don't know if he was just trying to push too hard, trying to bend too much, or, or what he was trying to do. But he, he just wasn't doing quite like the first two days, where he kept making my notes the first two days. He was making Crosby really struggle on a lot of reps. I, I think each day he's gotten a little bit worse. First day, he was just dominating Crosby to the point that I'm going, oh, man, I can't sit here and go back to these guys and tell them Crosby is definitely not a tackle. <laughs> And then Crosby's gotten a little bit better each day. And Okoronkwo's, that means he struggled a little bit more each day. And so I think it's just a little bit Crosby's gotten a little bit more comfortable with what's going on and just understanding the situation that he's in. And I think a little bit, there's some decent pass rushers in the Pac-12, but it's nothing. I don't think there's many guys that really stand out big time. Interesting, interesting. I mean, Davenport's a guy that came in with a lot of hype, but has been disappointing really just he had a better day today he did okay besides hitting the quarterback when he's not supposed to <laughs> he did it he did it twice you, you oh, think after the first thanks. time coach is going dude don't do this and then all of a sudden you just see him just level a quarterback again and you're going oh my gosh it's not baker mayfield standing back there <laughs> so no he's he's showed a little bit better he showed use of his hands today showed that i think some coaches got after him like dude you got to know you are not no longer in whatever conference he belongs to. 
I can't remember what conference it is, but it's it, he could win with athleticism. He didn't have to use his hands. He could just run into the guy, and he's going to run him over because he's bigger than that guy. Yeah. So here, that's just not the case. Yeah. And he uses his hands a little bit more yeah. than what I've seen in the past. It's really not the best edge rushing class, and I think probably the senior bowl showed that. I mean, Toure showing up and Okoronkwo having that measurables you want, that's definitely a plus, but it's just not a great edge class this year. It is what it it's is. It's not. Yeah. The interior guys, though, yes. have been absolutely impressive. Andrew Brown, this guy continues to show up in my notes over and over again. He continues to shoot the gap. He is a one-gapper. Do not stick him in a two-gap system. But if you get him in a one-gap system, he is going to just destroy people on a lot of plays. He's going to get in a lot of negative plays. I think most 11-on-11 drills, he gets at least two or three plays in the backfield. Very, very impressive. B.J. Hill, he's been very good. Justin Jones is another that's really impressed me. I, I can't believe how well he's played. And then, of course, Nathan Shepard was looking so good before he got hurt with his broken hand. Thankfully, he, I heard he's actually going to be at the combine. Yeah, he's, it's uh, some kind of fracture, and he should be fully recovered in two to three weeks. He should be ready for the combine. Yep, that's what I saw, too. Right. And I'm pretty sure yeah. Eric has some information on Andrew Brown from what I remember talking about him in the past. Yeah. The big comparison for him is a guy that Nick was high on last year in Malik McDowell. And when watching him play, he just you're talking about a one gap scheme, not a two gap scheme. And he just fits with Seattle, who took Malik McDowell so well with that scheme. And with how he's doing, I have a hard time seeing them not take him because McDowell has all of his off-field issues going on, and Michael Bennett may not be there. Yeah. So, I don't know, he just seems like such a great fit with them, with the tape and everything, and so I'm pretty sure they're happy that he's doing so well. well he's no Tavin Bryan. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, he's more, I'd say he's more controlled than Bryan, though. Yeah. He Brian knows how to... He, he knows how to win once he gets back there. Brian's more of that wild man rusher. From what I remember from watching the tape from Brown, he's pretty good one gap penetrator, but he's way too inconsistent with how he fires off. Sometimes yeah, he'll stand up. His get off is a concern. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of people, a lot of teams were down on him this last year because he was two gapping. And they just didn't bother to think. One source that I actually talked to, he thought out said, is I was being stupid and not thinking about the two gap, one gap difference. Mm. So he's definitely showing that, hey, he is a one gapper and he belongs. Well, that's that's great. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be upset if the Broncos took him round. I don't know if I'd take him round two just because how high our pick is round two. And I'm assuming quarterback's going to be the first pick probably. And if you take that quarterback round two or round one, probably looking to go offensive line round two, maybe even trade back up into round one. I don't know. Who, who knows? We're very far out. We'll see what happens, but that's just kind of where my mindset is right now, but we'll see what happens. But he's definitely a guy that would interest me. And with Bill Collar being there, you know, getting a chance to get some better eyes on him. I'm not sure if he's on the North or South roster. I think he's on the South. He, he's on the South. Yeah. But still Bill Collar's there, you know, getting a chance to see and talk to their coaches and everything I'm sure as well. So, all right, guys, well, we still have a bit to get to, but right now, we need to talk to you about becoming a Mile High Huddle subscriber and why now's the time to pull the trigger in honor of the Senior Bowl. Get five months of Mile High Huddle premium for the price of one. The Huddle Up podcast is an extension of what we do at milehighhuddle.com. 
our approach to covering the Broncos isn't just about reporting the news. Everybody does that. And in fact, most sites stick to the newswire. What we focus on is breaking down the Broncos in depth, whether it's all 22 film reviews, X's and O's, deep dive player evaluations, and now leading into the offseason, the NFL draft and free agency analysis. We save our best and most in-depth content for our VIP subscribers, our premium members. To become a Mile High Huddle VIP and to get access to 100% of our written analysis, just click on the green banner at the top of the website. Click the monthly option and you'll be locked in for five months, which will take you all the way up until almost the start of training camp. And if you choose to stay with us as VIPs, it'll only cost you five bucks per month. That's the same price as a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Heck, even less. From there, you get access to everything we produce, which includes any insider information we pick up on along the way, including what we learn about Denver's intentions in the 2018 offseason and the draft. If you are a VIP member, you know we were probably two months ahead of everybody else on the Akib Tlaib and Emmanuel Sanders rumors. So it's definitely a huge bonus if you're a VIP member in that regard. We work hard to bring you guys the best Broncos coverage analysis on the web. And we ask you for your support by becoming a VIP subscriber now. And now's the time with a flash sale. Pull the trigger and you have my word, you won't be disappointed. Anybody else on the defensive side that really stepped out today? I mean, safeties that stepped forward or maybe even some off-ball linebackers. You mentioned DeLuca, but did anybody else? I thought I remember seeing a tweet from you about uh, that guy from Vanderbilt. Was it, no, it was Vanderbilt. Burks? Yeah, so he's got some really good hips where I, I liked his ability to flip and run, but he just didn't quite show the, the strength to always fight through blocks. Mm. was one thing that really stuck out to me. A guy that I really liked was Darius Leonard. Yeah. Broncos interviewed him like right away. He was like the first one. Yeah. He has really shown well. He has been in good position on a lot of uh, pass switching, pass, passing situations. He's shown some decent awareness at different times. He's still got to clean some of that up. A couple things. Uh, I watched especially some, they ran some uh, jet sweep plays or reverse plays, and he was way out of position to, to go make a play. But, no, he's a guy that I think has really got onto a lot of NFL teams' radars with his play this week. Well, he, was one awesome. line, he was one of the linebackers I was most intrigued to see. I went and as soon as I saw that he was going, I went and threw on some tape of him because I think linebacker is a bigger need for Denver than many others do. Like, round two big. I was impressed with what I saw on tape, and I'm glad that he's doing well. I knew that there was going to be some hiccups to it and that he wasn't going to be great at everything just from the increase of competition for him. But I'm glad to hear that he's doing well enough to catch team's eyes. Right. Anybody else on offense? I know Kaiser White's been kind of up and down, but have any other safeties, you know, the last couple of days really stood out to you in any sort of way, or has this just been kind of a ho-hum safety group? I've been, the hearing, Broncos... a lot of, I've been hearing a lot of buzz. I, I didn't get on him, but the kid from Auburn? Trey Matthews. Trey Matthews, yeah, that's right. That's right. He's gotten some buzz from different people today or throughout the week, really, with some of his play. But other than that, not so much. The Broncos definitely, I would say, have a moderate need for safety. Darian Stewart potentially on the way out the door, whether it be a trade or a release. I mean, there's that's definitely a guy that's not long for this roster with how he played this last year in his cap hit. Justin Simmons there. But they could use, I mean, with how much the Broncos use a three-safety look, do you think they're going to be happy with a three-safety look of Simmons, Parks, and Carter? I mean, that's that's probably not ideal. I mean, you have free agency to sort that out as well, but I think safety is a low-key, uh, under-the-radar need for the Broncos that if a valuable guy falls, I would not be I would not be shocked at all if they went that way. Other needs stand out, but, you know, if a valuable guy falls, you got to jump on it. So 
Anybody else on the defense defensive side that stood out today that you want to give a shout out to, or are you ready to move on to some offensive line and offensive skill players? Let's move on to the offense. I got lots of guys to talk about. Okay. That sounds good. All right. Well, moving on to the offensive side, Carl last day today, man, I know you were down there and I saw you tweet out that you got to give the big ugly, some love. And I got to hear you. You kind of mentioned Brian O'Neill been up and down, you know, not as impressive. Some people thought he was great. Some not, but offensive line. Will Hernandez, amazing. Tyrell Crosby, up and down. But I, you were there today on the field. What did you see? So Tyrell Crosby, like I said, he's, he's improved, I think, each day. I think he's shown better work. He, I think the problem was his very first day, he thought he could just win by just out-punching the guy across from him, that his initial punch would just throw the guy so far off that he wouldn't really have to move his feet. And he's learned that there are better athletes here than he really figured realized would be here. And so ever since then, he's been moving his feet a lot more. Everyone, he can still get caught almost over-pursuing, getting too worried about getting beat around the edge, and so then a guy will do a counter move to the inside. That's one area that he's got to work on, and I keep thinking how terrifying that would be if he was our right tackle in Denver because a lot of guys like to do that. They love that counter move to the inside, so uh, it's destroyed some of our tackles in the past. But no, he's, he's been a lot more impressive over the days. Uh, Brett Toth, I've talked about him. He's still continuing to show pretty well. He got a little bit more bull rush today than in the past. He just wasn't winning the leverage battle. Alex Kappa had the same problem. He, his, well, his more issue was he kept lunging at guys over his, his knees or his, his hips over his knees very well. And so he got caught out of position on plays. The offensive lines just really struggled a lot today on some different things. Mm. Even, even Will Hernandez got beat. I yeah. watched him two times in a row. Yeah, they, they had him redo the thing because he got beat so bad. And then he failed the second time, too. I wish I could have got those on tape, but I, I forgot to... I, I was so shocked by the first one that I forgot to get my phone back up. And, but no, after that, he was fine. He, I think the next play, he pancaked the same guy. Uh, he got caught out of position got his feet a little bit tangled up and the guy just shoved him off to the side. But one guy that has really caught the attention of a lot of people here, Isaiah Wynn. He's not getting the talk that I know he's, he's not getting the talk that Willard Hernandez is getting, but he's up there. There's a lot of guys that are really impressed with what he's showing of just being able to stonewall guys in the pass rush and get pushed in the run game. Yeah. He's, he's one. I did they get him much chance at center as they've been almost all guard and tackle. It's been, it's been guard. all guard. Interesting. Okay. A little, little bit of tackle here and there, but it's been mostly guard. And like I said, he's, he's got the quick feet that he showed there at tackle. And so guys really aren't beating him with, with speed rushes at all. And he's shown the ability to anchor really well. That I think almost that being six foot two is really a lot. It's, it's helping him to have a little extra strength where he can get low, fire off low, and push guys back. Now, I, I will say this. He is going against the, the South squad. The South squad does not have as good of interior defensive line players. So I'm very interested to see how he does going up against a guy like B.J. Hill. Can he show that same thing? Because Will Hernandez is going against some of the top guys on the interior, and he's handling them pretty well. Can Isaiah Wynn do the same thing when it actually matters in the game? I, I can't wait to watch the game. I'll, I'm actually going to watch the game this year. Mostly because I know these guys. I've talked to them. I'm like, hey, I want to watch this guy because we had a nice conversation. But no, he, he's another one that's kind of stuck out. Bradley Bozeman, that is a, a underrated player 
at this event, I think. I've watched him in the run game especially. He will have his guy four or five yards down the field. He's just shoving him. I mean, the guy looks like he's on skates. Not Bozeman, the defender, obviously. Game, he's done pretty well. He's not perfect. But I, I kind of think if we got rid of, not got rid of, if we traded Matt Paradis, I really wouldn't mind us going and getting Bradley Bozeman and just seeing him compete for that position. That's great. I mean, there's definitely a dearth of offensive line talent this year, especially at guard. I feel like Broncos are going to have a chance to really stabilize that guard position if they move on from Garcia. But kicking over to Eric, have you heard anything about offensive linemen stepping up this week? Obviously, there's Alex Kappa, the small school kid. He had a lot to prove with the better competition, Will Hernandez. The only question that he had from multiple teams was, how will he do against better competition? He's answered that. He's, I'm pretty sure he's going to end up a top 15 pick. I'm rather confident in that as well. Brett Toth, he's another one, but teams are really cautious with that two-year service. There is some talk that they will try to postpone it and that they will show that it is a benefit for the armed forces by having a benefit with trying to recruit players to attend there and play football at the program with saying, if you do make it and you are a great candidate, they are willing to work with you and get you out on the field sooner rather than later. Wouldn't they uh, not do that with that guy from Air Force last year? Jaylen he was a Robinette. really talented wide receiver. Jalen Robinette, yes, they did. And he ended up being denied. So they're oh. not confident with Toth, but they hope to. Um, Tyrell Crosby, Carl talked on him a lot. A lot of teams had – and I think you and I had the same concerns too with him being left tackle – more and more teams are becoming more confident that he could be a decent left tackle in the NFL. Isaiah Wynn, he's another one that teams just think that he could play all over, all five spots. He's not the longest, he's not the biggest, but he's just, how to put it, not the most talented, but he just knows how to win. He knows how to use his quickness and his size and his arm length and all that as a and win the battles. One source I talked to with him said that he doesn't have that length, so he gets off so quick, and he's still making contact with the defensive lineman first. These guys with with two-inch longer arms than him, he's hitting them first. And then there was another one, too, that is getting a lot of talk, and that is one of the centers, Mason Cole. Oh, okay. There's a lot of, there's a lot of teams that are becoming fans of Mason Cole. Not sure how big of fans, but... Is that the fans. Michigan guy? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I sat next to his parents today. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah, they're really nice. That's so cool. He's, yeah, he's been good. I, I've liked him a lot, too. He hasn't been... The, the thing with Bozeman, Bozeman has dominated when he's been good. He just hasn't been as consistent, where Mason Cole has been very, very consistent from day one to day three. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Balaj, however you say his name, the Arizona State running back receiver, he ran the fastest over the combined speed of the senior bowl i saw like, that was like, yeah 20.46 miles per hour or something like that he needs to move to wide receiver he does his routes are his routes are better than some of the receivers there they're crispy yeah crispy routes are my favorite yep. but yeah no that's a, that's a good transition there balage has been a guy that's been getting some hype out there michael gallup and james washington's a guy as well that's probably stolen the show i've heard that the broncos have interviewed him and have shown some interest there so Carl, we're going to wrap it up here with the end of this, so we'll probably get you on here again about talking about the Senior Bowl, but the offensive specialists, the, the playmakers, 
I know that's especially the wide receivers. That's your bread and butter. That's your favorite. Who stood out? Wide receiver, <laughs> running back, tight end. So I, I just have to start with this guy because he really is not getting talked about enough. And that's your boy, Jalen Samuels. Every single day, he will make two or three just jaw-dropping plays where his speed, guys just are taking terrible angles to try to get to him. He is so fast, so quick. And he, he's actually shown incredible patience in running the football. He has been the most patient running back of any of them here. He'll just kind of sit back there, wait for it, wait for it. All of a sudden, oh, hole opens up, boom, I'm gone. I think you do a disservice and calling him a running back. He's a playmaker. Just that's true. I, I just him all over. Yeah. Right. And, and but I'm I'm just trying to say that you can have him as your running back and he'll do well. You can have him as your slot receiver. He's going to do well. You can have him as that guy just kind of your running back that you're going to use as a receiving option. I there, there's so many things you can do with this guy. He like you said, he is just a guy that you can that's just going to go make plays. You get the ball in his hands 10 to 15 times a game if you can. Somehow some way. And fireworks are going to happen. Oh, I love him. I really do. He, he's one of my favorites. I think, I think because of Alvin Kamara and what he's done in the NFL, there's a good chance Jalen Samuels could go a little bit higher than people think. Teams are going to be a lot more interested in these kind of players, especially when you get quarterbacks like Mayfield. Baker these Mayfield. are the kind of players yeah. that work perfect with him. Yeah. I would love to see if the Broncos go get Maker, Baker Mayfield, go get Jalen Samuels for him. Have him stand in the backfield with him and see what he can do. That would be perfect. So he, he's been my favorite running back here. I, I know I keep saying running back but because that, that's how they have him labeled. Yeah. But just play playmaker, he's been my favorite one here so far. I have one tight end that I'd say has kind of risen above the others. Mike Gusecki of Penn State. It's not been like, like, oh, my goodness, this guy is so much better than everybody else. But he's been probably the most consistent, has decent routes, has decent athleticism to – kind of went in the seam has some of the better hands of the tight ends I've seen so far. And I I don't know. He's just, he's made some plays here and there that have me go, okay, this guy, he's got a solid tight end group. It got hurt so bad when Godert went down. Yeah. That was terrible that he went down so early in all of this. I was looking so forward to seeing him, but it is. uh, So tight ends, they've kind of been eh, here and there. But moving on to the receiver position, receivers were the talk of the day, I would say. North squad especially. They had been dropping passes left and right. And Alan Lazard, he redeemed himself today. He was making like highlight reel catches left and right. He could have had a highlight reel of about 10 minutes long just by plays he made today. He was everywhere. Quarterback, every quarterback loved him. Corner of the end zone, like that is that is his bread and butter. The drills that they did today were like custom made for Alan Lazard to be highlighted. It was it was so phenomenal. Loved it. Loved it that my boy redeemed himself. He needed it. On the opposite end of that spectrum is Bracton Berrios of Miami. Slot corner or slot receiver guy. He made some great catches today. He was another one that I think fit really well with with Baker Mayfield, the two of them had a really good connection. Berrios is a great route runner. He's got that quick twitch ability. And he made some diving catches for Baker Mayfield today. Very, very impressed. And I'm sure there was uh, two two legends of the, the slot position there today. Brandon Stokely and Wes Welker. 
were hanging out. I thought the, the universe was going to explode. I didn't know they could both be in the same place at the same time. I've never seen them together at the same place at the same time. So that answers some questions. Yep, yep. They are not the same guy. <laughs> unless they have some ability to mutate and split. You're the Wonder but, Twins. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot of fun to see them. I, I couldn't tell if they actually saw me secretly trying to take a picture of the two of them together. <laughs> oh, those those are your boys, few. aren't they? That's the, you're smaller. Right. You're a wide receiver. You're a small wide receiver. Those are, that's yep, your type. Yep, yeah, my small white wide receivers. Those are my boys. And wow, Braxton Berrios, he fits that same thing. He was, he was fun to watch today. Oh, man. <laughs> so, no, then uh, Cedric Wilson, he really got better each day. Was another guy that kind of stood out. He used his frame a lot better. His size advantage over a lot of these cornerbacks and had some really good quickness to get open. Did a lot better getting off press coverage than he's done the last couple days. So he was one that kind of stood out. And then the the two for the South that continued to show up are Byron Pringle and Jamon Moore. Mm. Both those names, I, I think I've said them in the last two days for sure, every single day. He's been the most consistent of every wide receiver here. Running, he's got quickness to his feet, he's got long speed, he's got pretty good hands, he's got returnability. I remember you kind of dogging me for being a Jamon Moore fan before when we were previewing. So you kind of come around on him now? Yes and no. Okay. Uh-huh. I thought yeah. I was giving myself a pat in the back, but I guess not. <laughs> oh, man. Sorry. No, you're not getting a you were it's right. It's okay. No. Like, like Eric got. Sorry, man. <laughs> it's okay. No, I mean, no, Jamon Moore, he, one, so. Right, right. No, Jamon Moore, he has his moments. He is a lot better route runner than I thought he was going to be. So that's a plus. He definitely shows that long speed. Like, it, there, there's a reason he had so many big plays there at Missouri. He is a big play waiting to happen. But he's also the guy that could be wide open by five yards and just drop the football. Of course. His hands are just so inconsistent. Day two, yesterday, I, I always get kind of confused because it's actually day three, but it's the second day of practices. Uh, yeah, I, I'll just say, okay, I'll say second day of practices. Jamon Moore was one of the best receivers that I watched all day. He was catching everything that was thrown his way. He was making some tough catches along the sideline. He's beating guys deep, beating them short, everything. First day and third day of actual practice, inconsistent. He was better today than he was the first day. But he just still had a couple of drops. You're going, oh, man, can't do that. You can't ruin drives with these easy catches that are being dropped. So some things he needs to work on, but there are some skills there that you would really love to have on your team too. Defenses would have to respect every time they saw this guy on the field that he's going to beat them deep. Well, that's awesome. I know Deshaun Hamilton's a guy that's shown pretty well there as well. And I guess one last comment for me. I know Eric's probably biting at the heels, ready to have some, have some stuff to say, but a guy that from the highlights I've seen, I know you've tweeted out about him as well, opposite side of the ball, but I'm, we're, we're getting a little long here. So I just got to throw it out there. We didn't get to him yesterday either. I felt bad all day editing the podcast. I was like, Oh man, totally forgot about this guy. Incheno Nuosu from USC. He's a guy that really intrigues me. Uh, he's played edge linebacker for USC in more of a 3-4, 4-3 kind of hybrid front there. But he's a guy, he's played some off ball there, played 3-4. He's rushed the passer. They put him in coverage. And I am, I am a big fan of his skill set. So he really, he really intrigues me. And I think he's had a great week down there, probably as good as any defensive player outside of uh, Toure as far as that defensive front and raising his stock. He, the first two days, he showed off his pass rushing skills. 
today was all about his off-built ball skills. He did really, really well dropping off into coverage. He's better in zone than he is man, but he's showing that he has the just the the awareness that was what really impressed me. He would be able he job keeping his eyes on the receiver and the quarterback, just kind of watching where both of them were going and then just driving on the football wherever they, they threw it. And so yeah, he's a guy that's definitely raised his stock, showing teams that he can that utility belt can do a little bit of everything, whatever you need him to do. He'll go do it and, and do pretty well. I don't think he's ever going to be like that elite talent at anything. There's a lot of good things that he brings to the table for sure. All right, Eric, I know you've been waiting to talk. Get it all out there and we can wrap this on up. <laughs> There's just a couple of players that Carl talked about that I got some stuff on. Uh, Jalen Samuels, you mentioned that he's going to go earlier than people think. I don't think that's the case. I think a lot of people have opened their eyes on him. I know teams have. And there's talk of him going late second, early third, right in that New England Patriots range. Oh, no. <laughs> no I, just, I just had to add that part just to get at you, Nick. Alan Lazard, teams are cautious with his performance today just because of his bad performances the last couple of days. They still think that this, my sources anyway, still think that he goes in that fourth or fifth round, which is where he was coming into the senior bowl. Jaseki, he really helped his stock. He's probably raised himself to a top, at least top five tight end. James Washington, Denver really, really likes him. And there is, I first saw it on Twitter, somebody saying that the Denver's talking about taking him in the second round or likes him in the second round or something like that. I asked the source on that and he says that it's actually really true, that they may even think they have to trade up into the first round to get him because of how well he's doing. Brian Pringle, he's another guy. He went from undrafted to probably a mid to late round pick, like that fifth or sixth, maybe even fourth round range. Jaleel Scott, teams love him just because of the size. He's an immediate red zone weapon. But there's been some concerns raised with how he's interviewed, I guess, during this week. As for running backs, the biggest disappointment from what I've heard has been Rashad Penny. I guess he's put the ball on the ground a couple times, like three or four times yesterday, a couple times the first day or something like that. And they're just that at like, that size. Yeah, they're just really concerned about it. He's he's then, also dropped a couple passes that were pretty easy too. All right, well that's going to wrap up this final installment of the Senior Bowl recap episodes with Carl Down and Mobile and Eric joining us every week. Uh, this will these all have been coming out a week later because hey guys, this is our full time jobs. Unfortunately, we can't be there all the time but you know maybe if you're subscribing to vip that can help us there next year <laughs> you can find eric on twitter at eric trickle carl on twitter at carl dumbler mhh and myself at nick kendall mhh also make sure you head on over to mile high huddle an affiliate of scout.com and cbs sports digital you can find ours and our co-writers articles on mile high huddle but not just about the draft but everything that pertains to the denver broncos you can also follow the huddle up podcast by subscribing to us on itunes and for android users stitcher as well as check us out on youtube we upload these episodes on youtube Every single day, the same time we upload them up to iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter at Mile High Huddle and at Huddle Up Pod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with Bronco fans, especially as it pertains to team building and the NFL draft. For Carl Dummler and Eric Trickle, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up this final installment of the Huddle Up Senior Bowl 2018 recap. We hope you enjoyed it, and we will see you soon. Go Broncos, go draft, and I guess I got to say it. Go Baker Mayfield? Question mark? Question mark? (laughs) All right. See you guys. Mile high huddle.